Yeah, good morning, everyone. As you've already heard, my name is Esther, and I'm part of the key leadership team here at EBI. Now, as you can hear, you get husky, Esther, this morning. Uh, my voice is not normally this bad, but I've been a little bit run down. So hopefully my voice will last. Otherwise, someone else might have to step in and take over. But um, yeah, this morning I'm going to be wrapping up our series on Genesis people. If you've missed any of those talks, you can find them all on the EBI website and they're definitely worth a listen. And this morning we're going to be looking again at Joseph. So Steve has started us uh, last week on Joseph and we're going to be just learning a little bit more about what he teaches us, but focusing on the topic of forgiveness. So a nice, light topic for us this morning, uh, something to get us thinking for the week ahead. I'm gonna, I just want to start by saying that this um, sermon for me has been really current. There's a lot going on in life. I've had a pretty bonkers year, and this last month in particular has been really rough. Um, so... I want, to know, I want to say that the words that I'm sharing are words for me too. They're not just words that I feel God is saying for all of you on that side. They are very much for me on this side too. So it may, if it doesn't come out quite coherently, be kind. Um, I'm not feeling great. My throat hurts. And yes, it has been a bonkers month. And I'm going to share a little bit about where I am in this whole forgiveness journey, but I can't go into lots of detail about why. Um, but this morning, as I said, we're looking at Joseph again, and we're going to be looking at Genesis 44, Genesis 45, and I'm going to be summarizing some of Genesis 50. So I'm going to be doing things slightly differently in that I'm not reading all the passages out in one go. I'm going to kind of focus on certain verses in some of the passages with some of the points that I make, so it might look a little bit different. I'm just going to summarise the story of Joseph for those that have no idea who this guy is, or for those that have missed, uh, missed last week. So Joseph was a young man when his brothers decided to sell him into slavery because they were jealous of him, and he got sent to Egypt where he became... Uh, quite well known and uh, quite respected and started to work in the house of a, a man named Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife was quite keen on Joseph and she accused him and made up a lie that he had um, tried to sleep with her, which was not true. So he got sent to prison. And whilst in prison, he met a couple of guys that worked for Pharaoh and he interpreted their dreams and one of them said, I will remember you. When I get out of prison, I'm going to remember you. But he didn't. And so Joseph was in prison for another two years. But then he eventually got out and he started working for Pharaoh. And he became responsible for making sure that people were fed when a famine hit. So we kind of come to Joseph when he's been working in Egypt for quite some time and he's got a good position. But before we delve into the passages, what is forgiveness? That's a big question, isn't it? Firstly, forgiveness is a choice. It is something that we choose to do. But the dictionary definition also says that forgiveness is to give up any feelings of bitterness or resentment or any desire for revenge against someone who has hurt us. That's quite a big thing. And I think even as Christians, it's not necessarily easy to do. And it might be that 
you're here this morning and actually you're struggling to forgive someone. Maybe that someone is God and actually you've, you've got some hurt with God and you're, you're struggling to understand what's going on and why. But maybe you're here and you're struggling to receive forgiveness from someone or receive that forgiveness from God. One of the, I think, the hard things as Christians is that Jesus actually teaches us that we are to forgive. And whilst that's hard, that is true. And we're going to be exploring that this morning and probably wrestling with that a little bit. So my first point that I'm going to make this morning is that love and forgiveness are different. Now, if this is the first time that you've heard that, bear with me. I'm gonna, um, we're going to look into this and explore it. And we're going to do that first by reading from Genesis 44. Now, I'm not reading the whole chapter because it's quite long. Um, so I'm going to read different verses and I'll try and remember to explain the gaps so that it makes sense. But I'm going to start reading um, the first two verses and then go on from there. So Genesis 44, the words are on the screen. It says this. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks. This is his uh, brothers, by the way, I've got to say. His brothers have come back to Egypt. Joseph has seen them again. His brothers haven't recognized Joseph, but he knows who they are. There we go. So Joseph gave his instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks, which is much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. So we're going to move to verse 14. But what happens in the meantime is that Joseph sends his um, steward to go and stop his brothers and accuse them of stealing the cup. So then we come back at verse 14 when the brothers have been brought back to him. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in. And they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, Why is this you, what is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. So I'm going to go on to verse 30 in just a moment. So the cup was put in Benjamin's sack and Benjamin was the youngest brother out of all of them. If you want to know a little bit more about the brothers, um, Sue did a really good talk on that and will explain the lineage and whose parents were who. Really helpful. Um, So verse 30. So this is um, Judah now speaking and Judah is referring to um, Benjamin and taking Benjamin back to his father. So he says, so now... If the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the grey head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, 
I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as the Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. So as I said, love and forgiveness are different. And what we can take from this um, passage so far is that Joseph has already extended love to his brothers when they very first came to Egypt. He gave them grain, even though he didn't have to. He could have sent them away in the famine to starve. But what he does is because he recognized his brothers, the first time they came, they didn't have Benjamin, the youngest, with them. So he says, go back. He asks some questions he finds out about the brother. Go back and bring Benjamin with you. And as I was reading that, it felt to me that Joseph, he really wanted reconciliation with his brothers. He didn't want that to be the last time that he saw them. It seemed that he wanted to try and forgive them. But this time when, we, um, when he sends them back again when Benjamin is with them, I got a sense that he was testing them. It was as though he was trying to see whether Judah would protect Benjamin, the youngest one, like he should have protected Joseph. I don't recommend testing people, by the way. It doesn't always end well. But Joseph had high authority. So did Judah pass the test? Yes, he did. We read that he says that he will take his brother's place as Joseph's slave. He is putting himself before Benjamin. Judah had promised his father that if Benjamin did not return, then he would take the blame. It seems that remorse is being shown. Repentance has begun. Twenty years has passed since they sold Joseph into slavery. That is a long time. But it seems that Judah has seen the impact that Joseph's disappearance has had on his father. That's Jacob. He knows that if Benjamin does not return home, then it will finish Jacob off completely. I wonder whether he's carried the guilt of what he did to Joseph for all those years. So love and forgiveness are not the same thing. I think that we can show love to someone even if we haven't forgiven them. And as I said, this may be the first time that some of us have heard this. So let me explain a little bit more. The first thing I want to say, and I want to really emphasize, is that God loves us. He doesn't necessarily love everything that we do, but he loves us. As followers of Jesus, Jesus tells us to pray for those who persecute us. Love your enemies. But when it comes to forgiveness, Jesus says, if your brother or sister or anyone sins against you, rebuke them. That word rebuke can sound quite harsh, but I think it doesn't necessarily mean have a go at them. It's just let them know. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent or I'm sorry, you must forgive them. 
That's a challenge, isn't it? It's not always easy. But with God, God's forgiveness is there, ready and waiting for all of us to receive it. And to receive it means acknowledging that we have done wrong and saying sorry for that. If we choose not to receive his forgiveness, it doesn't change the love that he has for us. He still loves us. But it does stop us from drawing closer to him and becoming more like him. Now, for some of us, that might make us feel really, really uncomfortable. But for others, it might make us feel humbled or amazed, like God's forgiveness is there, ready and waiting. But we need to go on thinking about this, wrestling with this, taking time to process that and get our heads around it. So the question then is, can we or should we forgive those who aren't sorry? What do we do about that? I don't think the Bible calls us to do that. I don't want to take away what Jesus did on the cross for us through his death and resurrection. But the Bible does teach us that we should always be ready to forgive when repentance comes. And we should still love that person who has caused us harm, even if they're not sorry. That is a challenge. And I think that we do see this in this passage. Others, you may disagree. But we read that Joseph, he orchestrates a theft, which I don't agree. Don't orchestrate theft. Don't accuse people of theft or set them up. That's never a good idea. He then rebukes his brothers for, his, for their actions, even though they hadn't actually done anything wrong in that instant. Again, I don't recommend that. But he opens the way for Judah to repent for his past actions. The passage said, God has uncovered your servant's guilt. And this suggests that Judah is confessing to the sins he committed years before. And it's after this interaction that Joseph forgives. He's seen Judah's remorse and his love for his father and youngest brother. And as I said earlier, this, yeah, this whole year for me has been honestly bonkers. Like, I think I could write a few episodes of EastEnders the way my life has been this last year. Um, maybe I'll change career. But um, this last month in particular has been really challenging and I can't, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I can't give specific details. Um, but it's, there's someone just in my family that has caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, but it's someone that we care about too. And I feel that I've paused in my process of forgiveness because I've not got an apology. I don't know if they'll ever give one. I don't know if they'll ever recognise or take responsibility for the hurt that they've caused. So I don't know how long I'm going to be in this process for. But I want to read out something that I wrote um, on the 6th of November in my journal, and I think this just sums up probably where I'm at right now, and maybe for some of you where you're at right now too. But this is what I wrote. I'm still wrestling with my feelings. I want to hate, but I can't. I want to feel rage towards the person, but I don't. I don't want to forgive so easily, but I feel as though I am. I want to love, 
but it hurts. And that's where I'm still at. And I want to share that with you because I think sometimes we can stand up here and you think everything's okay. And it's not. And I was thinking about Joseph and I was thinking, is this how he felt when he saw his brothers? Did he want to hate but couldn't? Did he love but he was hurting? And maybe he was. Like, we don't, we don't get that from the passage. But I can't... I don't want to imagine that he would just have been fine with seeing them. Like, he must have been shocked and confronted with his brothers who did what they did. Like, that's not easy. And I was thinking, if that person was in front of me now, would I have given them a grain? Or would I have I sent them away? I, I don't know, if I'm honest. But that is why I wanted to share my thoughts that love and forgiveness are different. Because we can love even when we're not ready to forgive. But my next point, which is apologies, no less challenging. Um, and from this point, we're going to read from Genesis 45. But it's that forgiveness doesn't bring guilt on the other person. I think that sometimes when we... When someone hurts us, we want to tell them how much they've hurt us. We want them to hurt in the same way that we're hurting. But that isn't what Jesus teaches. So Genesis 45, again, the words will be on the screen. And again, I'm not reading the whole lot, um, but just some of the verses. So starting at verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Moving to verse 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then... It was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Then he threw his arms around Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. I wonder whether there was a time when Joseph actually wanted his brothers to feel guilty, to hurt like he hurt. 
here we see that that changes. Now, when Joseph was younger, he had two dreams, and this was part of the reason his brothers hated him, actually. He wasn't very wise in sharing these, but he had two dreams that his brothers would one day bow down before him. And these dreams, which he interpreted, were now being realized. And it made me wonder, is this why he was able to love them? Because he could now see those dreams happening. What God had said to him was now taking place. We read that he asked everyone to leave the room so that he was alone with his brothers. Joseph had a really high status. He said he was Pharaoh's lord over everything. And I feel that he was trying to protect his brothers because if he was inviting them to live with him in Egypt, he didn't want everyone to know what they'd done. He wanted them to be able to live safely in that land. The fact that they were Hebrew already put them at a disadvantage. So Joseph is protecting them, even though they didn't protect him. He tells them not to be distressed or angry with their actions 20 years previously. He's releasing them from these feelings and making it easier to accept his forgiveness. It is Joseph that calls them closer. He weeps in front of them. He has love and compassion for them. I think we would think that it could be, should have been the other way around. But we also see that Joseph, he doesn't rub their noses in what they've done. He gives them a way out where they can feel good. Like he tells them that God was the one that sent him ahead of them to save lives because of this famine. He takes the blame off them. He doesn't make them feel guilty. Does this excuse what they did? No, of course it doesn't. But Joseph has chosen to forgive them. And he can see the positive impact that he is having in Egypt. He is saving lives. And actually, he may not have ended up there had his brothers not sold him. This is not easy to get our heads around. Trying to understand why God lets things happen is hard. Because whilst God doesn't orchestrate things, he does let things happen. And some of us may be sat here having those questions right now. Joseph waited about 20 years to see the why. And maybe, like I said, some of us are here questioning, and it may be that actually we never understand the why. That is hard too. But also something I just want to emphasize is just because Joseph was reconciled to his brothers, that doesn't mean that we have to be reconciled to the person or the people that cause us hurt. We can forgive and still not necessarily want to see them again. That is okay. And I found a quote by a lady called Marianne Williamson. I don't actually know who she is, but I quite like the quote. And I think this is a, oh, probably another challenge, but it says, the practice of forgiveness is our most important contribution to the healing of the world. Forgiveness doesn't bring guilt on the other person. So my last little point before I wrap up is based around Genesis 50. And I'm just going to summarize uh, some of the verses in that. So Genesis 50, about 17 years has passed. 
since their brothers uh, reconciled themselves to Joseph. And in, that, in the verses 15 to 21, we see that Jacob, their father, he dies. And the brothers tell Joseph that before he died, Jacob told them to tell Joseph that he still had to look after them, that he still had to support them in Egypt. But it seems like that might have been a little white lie. So it seems that even after 17 years, his brothers were still afraid. It doesn't seem that they have really accepted that they were forgiven. And so one of my thoughts, this last point, was that forgiveness is a life sentence. Joseph may have known that his brothers lied, and he may have had to have forgiven all over again. And Joseph, whilst he's forgiven, he's never going to forget what they did. And forgiveness isn't about forgetting, but what we can see is that Joseph, he chose not to dwell on the past. He chose not to hold a grudge. And forgiveness is something that we have to keep on doing. It is likely that, that people will hurt us over and over again, not necessarily intentionally, but they will. And Jesus calls us to keep forgiving. And I, wanted, I just did a little bit of research, actually, around the damage that unforgiveness can cause to our minds and our bodies. And according to research, unforgiveness can lead to chronic anger, which puts us in a constant state of fight and flight, which is when we feel that there's a threat to us, even when no threat exists. Unforgiveness can provoke an intense short-term response that can impair someone's ability to communicate think clearly and make decisions. I know that when I get angry, all conscious thought goes out the window. But a state of unforgiveness on our physical body can increase the risk of changes in blood pressure, heart rate and immune response. We're more vulnerable to increased stress levels, anxiety, depression and conditions such as diabetes and heart disease. Unforgiveness it's not a good place to stay in. Forgiveness is a life sentence. So as I draw, come to a close, I'm going to read a poem um, by a lady named Barbara J. Parsons, and it's called The Debt. And I, I read this and I felt this sums up quite nicely what Jesus did for us. Unforgiveness says... You owe me. You are in my debt. A debt so deep it can never be paid. I will not let you pay it. That debt is an iron chain which binds the injured to the injurer, the victim to the perpetrator, the offended to the offender. Growing old, bitter, imprisoned together. Forgiveness is the choice to break that chain, the courage to walk away, the strength to say, despite the injury and the wrong, you owe me nothing. Here is true forgiveness, that God, angered by my rebellion, my disobedience, my waywardness, seeing the debt I owed to him, seeing that I could not pay, 
came to his mercy, nailed all that I owed to the cross of his son, paid my debt himself and spoke forgiveness over me. I owe him everything. By forgiving his brothers, Joseph wipes the slate clean. Just like Jesus wiped the slate clean for us when he died and rose again. His death and resurrection made it possible for us to receive God's forgiveness when we say sorry. We no longer need to present offerings to God in the form of animals or grain. Our sincere, apologetic heart is all he requires. Now, it may be that I've brought up a lot of stuff. I'm aware I have. And it may be that there's just a lot of stuff going on in your heart and your mind. So some things we can do about this as a practical act of response. Say sorry to God and ask for forgiveness. Accept his forgiveness. If that's something that you struggle with, God's forgiveness is there for you. And he wants you to just receive it because he's not holding it back. It may be that you know that you need to forgive someone. And actually that's hard. But I would encourage you to start that process. You may not finish it by the end of the day or the end of the week, but start. It may be that there is someone actually that you want proper reconciliation with and there are some really good charities and organisations out there who can support with that, who can mediate and help you. But it may be that actually right now, what you need to focus on is loving. Loving even though you're not ready to forgive. And here at Ebby, we really love to pray for people. And if, if you'd like prayer for anything, then I'm going to be at the back. But if you don't want me to pray for you, that's fine. Um, but I would encourage you to get prayer from someone today or this week. Um, because this stuff is stuff that we have to wrestle with. Like it's nitty gritty and it's messy. And we need to do this together, not on our own. So I'm going to hand over to Est and we're going to move into a time of communion.